Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mind to lead me through the night. Our current series, we've been exploring the the many ways that discipleship or following Jesus offers updates to our current lives, our daily lives. We've already noted that we are able to update to the Holy Spirit from drunkenness. We've been able to update, or we've talked about, the update to light from darkness. And today, I want to address this update for daily living, to the family of God from being a tourist in God. To family from being a tourist. As with the other messages in this series, let's look at Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, I will draw your attention to some verses in chapter 2. First, let's look at verses 12 and 13. The Bible says this, in Ephesians 2, 12, In those days, that's in the past, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. That's before the update. But now, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now, after the update, you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Look at verse 18. And here's what happens after the update. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. We probably wouldn't use those words today. Instead, we might say tourists and immigrants. You are no longer tourists and immigrants. You are now citizens among all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. In Christ Jesus, our lives are updated from being tourists to members of God's family. Amen. I'm curious today on your phones... How many allow the apps on your phone to do automatic updates? Where are you folks? Automatic updates. I saw some, when I asked that question, I saw some heads nodding this way. So some of you, you control the updates. Where are you at? These are the controllers of updates. All right. Each has their reasons one way or the other of whether they allow auto updates or whether they uh, control the updates and when they take place. But the point is this, whether it's auto or it's controlled, if you pay attention when an update is announced, they'll, they'll give you a few lines of why an update is a benefit. Oftentimes, how many of you have seen this one? Bug fixes forever, right? Bug fixes. Update fixes some bugs. I I think it's curious. 
I went to auto updates a while back, so I don't read them as much anymore. But I was curious how some developers started putting catchy little reasons in there. Because we expect to see bug fixes, but then they put something interesting in the update to say, oh, that's cool. I'm still not doing it, but that's cool. Updates. Auto or control. But we're going to a better level. We're going to improved efficiency. We're going to something that is going to work better as the intended product was going to work. That's what the kingdom of God's all about. The word of God, this book right here, is full of life updates. For you and I and our various little catches and our little intricacies and our little things that may or may not irritate our family, Scripture contains life updates. Dates, helping us to work without the bugs, if you will. So today I want to talk about that transition from tourist to member of the family. This being the July 4th weekend, Independence Day, I was thinking in those lines and started going down a pathway, and I discovered that on the inner wall of the pedestal that supports the Statue of Liberty. On the inner wall, there's a plaque that bears the text of this poem entitled The New Colossus. The poem reads like this, Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land, here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand, a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuge of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Emma Lazarus penned those words to help raise funds to build that base for Lady Liberty. In the words of this poet, whose now words have been put in a plaque of bronze in that room, in that statue, those words show the belonging, or rather the longing for belonging, the longing to find a place that people would come to the United States looking to belong. Her words speak about connecting the disconnected, if you will, or offering a a place for those who are displaced. Now, if I started today a, a community discussion on immigration, we might have a very lively discussion this afternoon. It's regularly been in the news, and no doubt there are opinions along the spectrum. Who should immigrate and when? 
how many should be allowed, how often we should allow it, to what areas would we invite immigration. But you know what, today, I'm not thinking about policies. Today, I ask you to think about the people. The people that are trying to get here. The people that are trying to get here. Individuals, families, who no longer want to be there, wherever their there is. They don't want to be there anymore. They want to be here. And they desperately want to be here. People that are, whether they're older or middle-aged or younger, they want to call the United States of America their home. They want to belong here. In other words, no longer do they want to be tourists or even labeled as immigrants, but instead they would like to be known as members and even citizens of this country. Crowds of people who want to be included in the United States way of living. People who want to belong, who want to be included. Even even as I use those words, belonging and inclusion, those words in themselves are topics that are raised in discussions, big and small, and they're considered from people on the inside, if you will, and people on the outside, and people will express their desires to be welcomed and to belong to a particular group, and Inclusion and belonging, these topics have an ebb and flow in our society, whether they are intentional or whether they fall back. But I want us to understand this today, the importance to Christianity for inclusion and belonging is constant and real and fundamental. As we just read, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, or tourists and immigrants, but you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Earlier in that same passage, we see how this inclusion came about. In Ephesians 2 and verse 14, look what the Bible says. Christ himself brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Definitively, in Bible times, there were many races, many cultures, many peoples, but the big definitions were this, Gentiles and Jews. Those were the big things in the dividing line. And the Bible says that God intentionally erased the lines and he took away the hostility. And now it would not be a blending of Jews and Gentiles with some hyphenated name, but instead those identities would be left behind and there would be one new identity, one new 
people. God intended for that to happen, uh, bringing together and there would be peace. There would be ending of hostilities. All became new. All transformed. All became one. All are updated in Christ Jesus. I love how Paul summarized this to the Roman church in Romans 1, 6. Look at this verse. And you, talking to the Romans, are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. Paul let them know, listen, the Gentiles and the Jews have been merged. There's one new body. It's the family of God. We are children of Christ Jesus that's the new identifier, and you are welcome and included to belong. Who's included? Who is called to belong? Perhaps the most familiar verse of Scripture around the world explains so clearly. In John 3.16, God Love the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have ever, or excuse me, eternal life. Everyone throughout the Bible, that theme is repeated. All are invited to Christ's kingdom. All are welcome. Christ is saying, come on in, join with us in the family of God. All are welcome to find and experience salvation. And once we have found salvation, everybody is welcome to follow Jesus Christ. Can you hear me clearly today? It's a point we need to understand. Everyone is invited to participate in the kingdom of God. Everyone. The Ephesian disciples, to them, Paul explained God was creating one new people. To the Corinthians, he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 15, Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new Life will be given new life. The newness is reiterated. In 2 Corinthians 5, he goes a little farther. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Listen, when we are included with Christ Jesus, when we belong to the family of God, the old life is gone. A new life has begun. It's not just a new grouping. It's not just a new location, but a new Person and within God's family, within this new group of people, I remind us in the Bible terms, God has particular expectations for his family. Here's expectation number one to the family of God. To the family of God, expectation number one remember your past. Remember your past. 
In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul writes this, Don't forget, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathen by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, in verse 12, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You didn't know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Verse 13, the update. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Uh, Paul wrote to those Ephesian believers, to the family of God in Ephesus, and he said this, listen, don't you forget your history. Don't you forget your past. Don't you forget where you come from. Perhaps he would have used some common vernacular like me and say, hey, don't you get on some high haughty horse that you're something in the kingdom of God. Regardless of how long you've served him, regardless of how perfect you think you are, regardless of how successful you've been in the kingdom of God, we ought never forget where we came from. We ought never forget we haven't always belonged. We ought never forget we weren't always part of the family of God. You've got to remember all of us, every one of us began as tourists. The family's got to remember that inclusion, it wasn't earned, it wasn't deserved, it was provided by Christ Jesus. Belonging is only possible because of Jesus, and God expects his family members to remember their past. Here's another thing, expectancies of the family. Family, you ought to remember that you are unfinished. Remember, you are unfinished. From the same passage in Ephesians 2 and verse 21, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Becoming and being made, those are intentional words and intentional voices of those verbs. That These phrases are, are validated elsewhere in Scripture and they teach us this, that inclusion in the family of God and belonging in the family of God aren't the same as being completed in Christ Jesus. Inclusion into God's one new people is a beginning of the process. God's family members are still in process. And in, in biblical Christianity, belonging to the family of God, you know what that is? That includes the expectation of ongoing change and ongoing development and ongoing adapting to what Christ would have us be. Hearing that, some may, may get a little nervous, say, change? Uh, change how? 
Well, change as directed by God's holy word. Change as directed by Christ recorded here. Change as directed by the apostles recorded here. And these are the things that call us into becoming in a very practical way more Christ life. Belonging to the family of God brings life updates as God develops his very best in us. Can I reiterate again? You're going to hear it a lot in this series, but when I read in this book and it invites me to start something or it invites me to stop something, we better know and understand it is an update. The software developer of all humanity, the creator of heaven and earth has made statement here will be better for you. This will bless your life. This is an update. But not everyone appreciates what this has to say. Some folks like to control their updates. Some folks like to read the details of the update. And when it's issued by the developer and the manufacturer to be smoother and to be better, they read through the fine print and say, yeah, I'm not having that update. I'm going to run on the old version. I'm going to live on the old version. And I can appreciate that. Some app developers aren't all on their best game and sometimes an update in the app world doesn't go well on our devices. I get that. But in the God world, he makes no mistakes. He makes no mistakes. And so what happens is this, is, is people find that they want to be included in the things of God. They, they like the invitation. They like... The promises, they like the good parts of things, but as they begin to get noticing some things here, all of a sudden they, they want to redefine what Christian inclusion and Christian belonging is. And they want to redefine that, well, God loves me and now it doesn't matter if I get the latest updates or if I continue in the process. But to follow Jesus Christ, the words itself show movement. I'm following him. I'm, I'm going somewhere. I, I'm becoming something. And there's a process for each and every one of us to work through. And, and not everyone appreciates it. You know why? Because it's not always easy. Because it's not always simple. Because there are challenges in the updates. But God's expectations are for each and every person who would follow Christ. Expectations of God are universal. His expectations don't discriminate. All are included. All are part of God's family. All are called to completion. And the family needs to remember that. A couple of things. Here's a third thing. The family is expected in the family of God. We're to remember that your history and your incompleteness should change how you treat other people. When I remember my history and I remember my incompleteness, it should change how I treat other people. In Ephesians 2, and verse 16, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death 
He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away and peace to the Jews who were near. Peace, as I already mentioned, means end of hostilities. One new people. There's, there's no more us versus them. When we belong to Jesus Christ, peace pervades our relationships. As a family of God, are we going to have disagreements? Oh, please. All families, all relationships, if you get to know one enough, good enough, there are going to be disagreements. Disagreements are at the end of getting to know people better. That's all there is to it. So will we manage those? Will we handle those? What happens in the family of God is that peace pervades. And that when I irritate Marlene, hopefully she extends peace to me. Because that's God's ideal. And when someone would irritate me, I would extend peace because that's God's ideal. In other words, I remember my past. I remember my history. I, I didn't just get into the family of God. It was extended to me. I, didn't, I haven't always known this. I haven't always believed this. I haven't always enjoyed these benefits. And furthermore, I could never buy my way in. I could never earn my way in. I'm only a part of the family of God because he made way for me. He invited me. He gave gave me the possibility. So I remember that. And then I remember, you know what? I am not perfect. I am not perfect. Some people wear that as a badge for excuse to continue being ornery. We ought to wear that badge as an excuse to be kind. As an excuse to be forgiving as an excuse to be gracious. If I remember my past, I remember I'm incomplete, then I can remember to extend peace. And some might be thinking, well, yes, within the family, within the family, we should extend peace to one another. We should extend kindness to one another. Absolutely, absolutely. But that's just in the family, right? I don't, I don't have to extend peace to my knucklehead neighbor, right? I don't have to extend peace to my coworker who irritates me with their politics, right? I don't have to extend peace to, and we start to look at different ones that we can disqualify. Let me take you to the book of Leviticus. Here's what the Bible says in Leviticus. Way back when, God was talking about his directions for how his family should act. He said this, Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. One translation says, Don't mistreat them. Verse 34 Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Talk about getting a note of directions and then signed at the bottom. I am the Lord your God. Just in case you thought Moses was making this up. I am the Lord your God. Here's what he says. Don't take advantage of people, even those who are not part of the family of God. Treat them like they are born. Treat them like family. Love them as you love themselves. Hear me today. Our words to others should treat everyone well. That's the word of God. You don't have to agree with me. It's the word of God. 
the words of the family should be treated to everyone well. Our attitude is that all our family. Preacher, you're really giving me a hard time because I am telling you, I got this one coworker. And can I just suggest to you, everybody does. Yeah, but I got this one neighbor. Everybody does. And let me tell you really how it is. Well, there's this one person at church. Everybody does. Every church does. I'm going to go to a church where everybody's, you know, doesn't irritate me. Yeah, right. That church don't exist. You can't live without irritation right within your own household. Well, the word of God is the peace of God. If I'll remember my history and I'll remember my incompleteness, then it helps me to treat everyone well. That my attitude is that everyone is family, that each person is loved as we love ourselves. God has some expectancies that we ought to remember some things when we are part of the family of God. The funny thing about humans is humans need to belong. There's something about us we need to belong. We have to belong. Social psychologist Gregory Walton's studies demonstrated this. If you don't feel like you belong, you are both less motivated and less likely to hang in there in the face of obstacles. If you don't feel like you belong then we don't have the same motivation to keep going forward. If we don't feel like we belong, then you know what? We're not likely to endure when people irritate me. Because I don't feel like I belong. Roy Baumeister and Mark Leary argue that belongingness is such a fundamental human motivation that we feel severe consequences when we don't belong. Their studies say this, the desire is so universal for belonging that it's found across all cultures and all different types of people. It's universal to humanity. Dr. Brene Brown says that based on her 200,000 pieces of research data, she says this, loneliness is a greater predictor of early death than smoking, than obesity, or excessive drinking. She says this, in the absence of love and belonging, there is always suffering. Humans need to belong. Belonging helps us feel valued and needed and accepted. It helps us to feel safer. It brings comfort. If, you, if you've tuned out everything I've said up to this point, would you please hear me right now? God wants each and every person to belong in his family. Psalm 68 and verse 6, look how cool this little phrase is right here. God places the lonely in families. (laughs) 
God is so interested that lonely doesn't survive, that belonging is the nature, that God places the lonely in families. Those few words summarize the entire purpose of this holy book right here. Those few words summarize God's interaction with humanity. God wants everyone to belong in his family. God doesn't want anyone to miss out on the salvation and the blessing and the updates that he offers. He came to seek and to separate the lost. And we think about lost as people who don't know God. But let me offer this. You know who the lost are? The disassociated and the unaffiliated and the separated and those that are out on their own. And Jesus Christ came to look for those who didn't belong and invite them to belong. For those who were on their own to say, come, be part of my family. Maybe I could put it like this. In the mind of God, in terms of his family, he'd like to put an end to tourism and include every last human in his one new people. God knows we need to belong. And he wants us to belong to him. Here's the the catch-22 of belonging. Here's what researchers say about us as human beings. That when we feel like we don't belong, we are less likely to interact with others. When we feel like we don't belong, we are less likely to take healthy risks to do the things that might make us feel better. When we we don't feel like we belong, we are less likely to risk joining in conversations that would make us feel like we belong. When we don't feel like we belong, we are less likely to take the risk of cooperating with other people that would help us feel like we belong. When we don't feel like we belong, we are less likely to take the risk of reconciling conflicts with others. But if we did, it would help us feel like we belong. You see the challenge? That's who we are as humans. But interacting with others is the the pathway to belonging. And so if we don't feel like we belong, we're less likely to try what will help us to belong. Belonging, being part of a group or many groups, it really is a blessing to us as human beings. But to be included... We often have to invest our time, our care, our effort. We have to act. And so this is the challenge for every one of us, all humans in the sound of my voice. Even though there's something inside of us that says, I want to be a part. I want to be included. I want to belong. Even though we know The word of God is clear. He wants us to belong. 
even though we know those two things, even though I would believe that you, my fellow believers in the family, my fellow disciples and followers of Christ, even though I believe and understand you're saying to me, welcome, come on in, join the family, we want you to belong. Even though all of those things might be true in my mind and in my understanding, still each of us has to act. Even if it feels uncomfortable. Every one of us has to take a healthy risk above our fears. Each one of us has to step inside the circle, if you will, for herself. Each one has to act even if it feels contrary to her feelings. Hmm. A few years ago, my daughter bought me a fly rod. I've been talking about learning to fly fish, and she bought me a fly rod. Around the same time, my wife bought me a lesson on how to cast and use a fly rod. As I was recently reminded, so far the rod has not been used. And I have never taken the lesson that my wife purchased. I have a ticket, but I've never redeemed it. It's been a few years ago now that my wife and I were a group of four on a whale watching tour out into the sound was a guaranteed tour to see whales. After five hours on the blessed sound, <laughs> not one whale we witnessed. And so true to their guarantee, they did not give us our money back. No, they gave us a ticket for another voyage. And waiting now, is a ticket for four in my name for a free whale-watching tour that we have yet to use. I have the ticket, but it has not been redeemed. The Apostle Paul explained this eternal guarantee, 2.18, now... All of us, there's everyone again, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. In common terms that I've attempted to use today, each one of us can update from tourists to members of God's family through the Holy Spirit if, if we'll redeem the ticket. 
I hope everybody's been given a, a number of tickets when you entered the building today. The tickets are free. Jesus Christ bought every ticket for everyone paid for by his sacrifice and blood. Every one of us has been given the opportunity. Tickets there. Can I say to you this afternoon, if you've not responded to God's offer, you've not talked to God about your life, you've yet to say yes to Jesus Christ, I, I hope the words of this preacher will compel you to turn in your ticket and redeem the opportunity and say, God, if you're real and this is legit, I want to know you. If, if this is possible and I, I can know what this Bible talks about, I want to know you. Would you turn in your ticket today? If you've not received the Holy Spirit, would you redeem your ticket today? Perhaps you're here this afternoon and you're a, you're a family member already. You belong you've been included you've been welcomed long ago but somewhere along the way you've forgotten some things that we were supposed to remember about being in this one new family if you need to adjust some attitudes and adjust some actions there's a ticket for that i invite you to redeem that ticket Bring it to the Lord and say, I, forgive me for forgetting. I didn't mean to, I didn't intend to, but clearly it's happened and I'm more human than I like to admit. I want to remember and act upon those remembrances. And hopefully today everybody in the house received more than just one ticket. Because I want to ask this family of God, who else in your life needs to know there's a ticket with their name on it? Who do you know that needs to belong? Who do you know who, who doesn't enjoy the inclusion and the belonging and the comfort and the peace and the joy that you have? Who do you know that needs to be associated? Because... Jesus already paid for every ticket. He's just asked for you and I to distribute them. Hand out free tickets. Explain their purpose and meaning. And invite others to belong. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series. Or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Flows in the Holy Ghost.